Things seem a little more settled with Indiana basketball. So let's reset the table, figure out where the Hoosiers stand when it comes to the NCAA tournament. You are Locked On Hoosiers, your daily podcast on the Indiana Hoosiers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of Locked On Hoosiers on this fine Tuesday. Hope most of you guys enjoyed the day off on Monday, but I'm also thankful that you made us your first listen every single day. We are your one and only daily one-stop shop for everything IU Athletics. Indiana got back on the winning track on Saturday against Wisconsin. Ultimately, it is just one win, and they can go into Illinois on uh, later this week on Thursday and get blown out, and we could still be worried, rightfully so. But the way that they won would seem to indicate that things are, are a little more steady than they were this time last week. So I figured we could reset the table a little bit. Last week, I wanted to look nothing at bracketology, at anything like that. IU was just free-falling out of all of that. Having gotten the win and feeling a little bit more better about where the program is, the fact is IU is a bubble team right now. We're going to talk about where they kind of rank on various things, but that was a really detrimental, I don't even know, a couple, three weeks maybe, that Indiana, it was actually probably closer to a month from the Rutgers game to the Penn State game. That really set Indiana back. Obviously, kind of the go-to for bracketology is Joe Lenardi. He hasn't updated his full bracket since before the Wisconsin game. It was right after the Penn State loss. Interestingly, he had us as a 10 seed heading into the weekend. IU wins handily against Wisconsin, and we fell down into the last four buys, which... I mean, it is like, what is it, mid-January? I'm not going to get upset about bracketology. I I don't understand that one. But regardless, that sets, I mean, that is about where Indiana is across the board. We're about a 10 seed right now. IU lost a ton of ground in, in kind of their tournament resume. If you want to look kind of broader picture, bracket matrix, which is just kind of a collection of brackets, most of the more reputable ones. Uh, there are 68 brackets in their entire database. IU is in 61 of them. As bad as IU is, I've, I don't know. I can understand much of an argument to simply not have them in the tournament right now, especially some of the people who choose not to have them. Uh, looking at you, CBS Sports, uh, Jerry Palm, a Purdue graduate, but... We're not going to start fights here. Uh, Indiana is uh, average seed of 8.93. The highest nine seed is where they're coming in at. So to let you know kind of the general area. They're as high as like a seven seed. Uh, some of these aren't as quite legit as other ones, but I think a seven seed is as high as they are. Some One place even had them as a five seed, which... That even feels very generous, and some of these haven't been updated since the Penn State game, but 
for the ones that are more recent, you're looking somewhere 9, 10, 11, 12. A couple of them don't rank Indiana at all. A couple of them have them as high as 8. So that gives you a sense of where Indiana ranks, that 8 to 12 area. I'd be really surprised right now if they were out of the tournament. But again, one more, two more big losses in these next couple of games. And IU is in a bad way. They've gotten some breaks. Uh, It's going to be a tough game against Illinois on Thursday. But the weekend game against uh, Michigan State, Malik Hall for Michigan State will not be available. He's one of their best players really big for what Michigan state is doing. So I I hate to frame it this way as like Indiana is getting injury luck because I don't want anybody injured like on IU or on an opposing team, but those are kind of the breaks of the game and Indiana is getting some of those breaks now. So we will see if Indiana can take advantage of them. But if you look at Ken Palm, IU is still 27th in the country. A lot of it's being bolstered by how good Xavier is and how good that win was at the beginning of the season. Similar to North Carolina, who had that really rough patch but has figured things out. And then that's really their two kind of highlight wins. None of their losses are bad. If you look at net rating, the Hoosiers are down at 32nd, which kind of plays into the bracketology and where they are in that area. 32nd is a 10 to 12 seed area with all the automatic qualifiers that are going to kind of go above them. If you look at their 10 or 11 and six record, five of their losses are quad one losses. Their only non quad one loss is a quad two loss. I would imagine it is the Northwestern game without doing all the digging. But outside of that, it's a small thing to hang the hat on, but there are not bad losses yet. Rutgers is also looking like a very good team. And so that loss, even though it felt bad in the moment, doesn't feel as bad now. Obviously Arizona and Kansas are really good teams. Iowa is probably, eh, probably their second worst loss. Uh, especially the way the game played out, but really those three losses in a row are what set Indiana back that week where everything just fell off. Uh, that's, what's going to hurt Indiana. They're going to need to pick up some wins to counteract that Illinois on Thursday is going to be a great example that there's a good chance. That'll be a quad one, uh, potential win because I mean, Ken Palm has Illinois as a 21 team. Yeah. They're 23rd in net ranking. So that's a potential for a quad one win. Uh, Michigan State and then Minnesota are more winnable games now than they felt like, again, this time last week. But then things are absolutely going to pick up as the Hoosiers go into the final month and a half of the season, and it's going to be a a dogfight. So Indiana has a couple more games to make sure things are right, and then it is – pedal to the metal as they race to the finish line of this season. So you have to hope that Saturday was getting things right and they can now replicate that performance, which is easier said than done in some cases, but the way they won that game has me very optimistic about how things are going to look because that was 
how we have seen Indiana play last season when this team plays with a sense of urgency, especially defensively, they kind of go up to another level. So maybe the trick is to lose three straight games in early January and get that sense of urgency from the get go. We'll see how Indiana responds now, but there's not a ton of room for any more kind of losing streaks or anything like that. Like Indiana is firmly on the bubble right now, which adds a little bit more pressure to some of these games. Illinois on the road is a game that can jump you up a fair amount and can look really good on a resume. Indiana is going to have to bolster their resume because ultimately they have two wins over uh, top 25 teams in Ken Palm two more wins over top 100 teams in Nebraska and Wisconsin. And then that's it. Everything else was that cupcake part of the schedule. So they, they need to bolster this resume in the coming weeks, whether it's Illinois, Michigan state, Minnesota is going to do nothing to bolster their resume. And then everything after that is going to bolster that. So it's a big stretch of games here for Indiana. We'll talk more basketball tomorrow, but I want to talk some more football because Transfer portal is more or less wrapped up now, at least the important part. So I want to rank the five most impactful transfers for next season for the Hoosiers. Before we do that, let's talk about Built Bar. We've had this discussion in our DM with all the locked on college hosts, trying to figure out who has Built Bars at their Walmart, at their Sam's Club. Because that's the big news, is that you hear us talk about Built Bar all the time, how you can go order them online, you can wait a week. You don't even have to do that anymore. You can head to your closest Walmart. You can head to your closest Sam's Club, and you can buy Built Bars. I have bought them at Sam's Club in Indianapolis. For those of you listening in that area, I know they are available around Indianapolis. If you guys want to... Make good on your New Year's resolution of eating healthier. Built Bar is the way to go because they make healthy actually tasty. They're delicious. They're good for you. They're perfect for your New Year's resolution. They're covered in 100% real chocolate. They have all the great flavors. Churro, peanut butter brownie, coconut almond, cookies and cream, double chocolate, coconut puffs, brownie batter. It goes on and on and on. They have limited time flavors they're adding all the time too. So, you can go to built.com or head to Walmart, head to Sam's Club, find built bars there. Big thanks to you guys for making Locked On Hoosiers your first listen every day. Make sure you check out the brand new podcast, Locked On College Basketball. Everything you need to know about college basketball in one place, plus hear from big name experts, insiders, coaches, and players. Locked On College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. The Hoosiers have wrapped up, I guess not officially, but it, it feels like they have wrapped up the uh, transfer portal and their activity in it, at least in terms of big hitters. There could be some more, a few more, but Taven Jackson was kind of the exclamation point on these, this transfer portal class. A lot of the big names and impactful players have made up their mind at this point where they're going to go what they're going to do, and largely because classes have started. And if those people want to be on campus for classes, like it, it needed to happen. I, Taven committing as late as he did is 
rare. Like he, he immediately registered for classes so that he wouldn't miss any more. So because of that, it feels like we can kind of recap the transfer portal a little bit. Ultimately, when you look at the Big Ten, Indiana comes in at eighth in terms of 247 sports kind of points ranking. It's a very subjective ranking, obviously. Uh, they only had one four-star, three three-stars. All this is kind of... I, I don't, there's a lot of subjectiveness to this, a lot of projection. If you, there was a graph floating around, which ranked, um, kind of how much production a team added in the transfer portal and how many players they added. It was noteworthy for Indiana fans because they've added 16 commits, which is the most in the big 10 Wisconsin was second with 13. That's with Luke fickle coming in a new coach. Michigan State had 12, Nebraska had 10. Indiana's been very dependent on the transfer portal. They've added a lot of guys, but they haven't added a lot of production, excuse me. So a lot of this kind of ranking is projection. Indiana's seen the good and the bad of it. They've brought in guys like Cam Camper. He wouldn't have ranked highly on that kind of production added list based on what he did the year prior to Indiana. But when he was healthy, he was... I mean, earnestly, I don't think it was a reach to call him an all-Big Ten receiver. He was fantastic. So you can get guys like that who make an impact. And, I mean, Sean Shivers is the same way. He would have been someone that had more production. But a lot of the receivers last year is one of the best examples because IU added a lot of them that didn't really have a long history of being productive at big spots before. I mean, the fact is with Indiana, you're not going to get someone that was really good at some school. I You can pick any school, a mid-major school, a non-power five school. They're not generally going to come to Indiana because there's going to be bigger places that they can go make more of an impact and go to the NFL. So Indiana has to kind of take risks when it comes to the transfer portal. You see them recruit a lot of Community college guys, a lot of JUCO guys, guys who had production there, but it's a little bit of a risk to see if they can do it in the Big Ten. With that in mind, let's take a look at some, or at what I think are going to be the top five most impactful transfers next season. Some honorable mentions, Jameer Johnson, defensive back uh, from Texas. I originally had him on this list. The secondary is going to be really interesting to see. Johnson was a four-star top 275 recruit out of high school. He played two seasons at Texas, but was largely special teams. The opportunity is going to be there. So we'll see if he's able to take advantage of it. Uh, Dequise Carter, I almost ranked him. Again, this is another one. He was very productive at Fordham. How much of that do you think he can translate to... Indiana. He has one season of eligibility. The highlight tape is really good. It can he be consistent is the the question. Philip Bleedy, a, te- a defensive lineman from Texas Tech. Again, he was productive and had 18 tackles in 2022 for Texas Tech. You're hoping that with maybe a bigger role, he's able to do more for Indiana this season. Indiana made a very clear or had a very clear focus on the defensive line. And there is somebody we're going to mention on the defensive line here in a minute, but 
it's very clear that Indiana went after guys on that defensive line. It's been a weakness for a number of seasons. It's a different way of going about and recruiting guys, and you're hoping that they're able to make more of an impact, but it's noteworthy how much of a focus they made. Defensive line, linebacker as well, and that's where we're going to start. Josh Rudolph, linebacker for Austin P. Again, a guy that he was very productive at Austin P. Last season, he had 73 tackles, seven and a half tackles for loss in 11 games in 2022. <clears throat> the question is, can he do that in the Big Ten? Or what are you getting from him moving to the Big Ten? He spent two seasons at Austin P. was a team captain last year. So he, there's a big hole Indiana has. Cam Jones is gone. Aaron Casey's gone. Those were two of your most productive linebackers. They went after a number of guys at linebacker. Daryl Miner Jr. is coming in. Jacob Magnum Farrer is coming in. Um, I thought there was one other one, but regardless, there are a number of guys coming in at linebacker that Indiana is going to look at. It's going to be an open competition at that linebacker spot. At number four for me was Christian Turner from Wake. I do think Jalen Lucas is going to be the starting running back next season. It would be really hard to make an argument against that, but it's also very fair to say you can't expect him to be an every down back by any means. Christian Turner comes to Bloomington. He spent two seasons at Wake, three at Michigan. Over the last two years at Wake, he rushed 254 times for 1,000 yards and 12 touchdowns. He was a former four-star recruit. We know Indiana really likes to use multiple running backs. It's something that um, Walt Bell and Tom Allen both like to do with the offense. So especially if they're going to run more of a speed, dual threat kind of option, fast, up-tempo offense, you got to cycle guys through in the backfield. We'll see how much Indiana does that. They did. They spent three quarters of the year playing at breakneck speeds and then had the most success at the end of the year when they weren't trying to go a billion miles an hour. I don't know if there's a middle ground there that they're going to try to find. Regardless, though, Turner, I would imagine, is going to be the backup running back, the number two guy who's going to get a, a fair amount of carries and a fair amount of time next to Jalen Lucas this year. We'll look at the top three. There's going to be a name that you guys expect. There's going to be an interesting name at number one, though. We'll talk more about that here in just a moment. The Hoosiers needed an injection of talent at wide receiver. They brought in a lot of new guys. There was very little known about the wide receiver core coming into last season. They absolutely hit on Cam Camper, and he'll be back. But when he went down, Indiana was putrid without him. EJ Williams could be the type of guy who can come in and help alleviate that problem. Comes in from Clemson, spent three seasons there. His most productive was his first season. He'll have two years of eligibility left. His first year, he caught 24 passes, 306 yards, a couple of touchdowns. He's a former four-star top 100 recruit. So this is a very talented player. The hope is that he just needed more time on the field. 
Clemson's a tough place to uh, to head in and try to get minutes or snaps, I guess, not minutes. So maybe he comes to a place where there's more of an opening and more of a chance for him to get action because Indiana needs second and third options that can step up with, I mean, DJ Matthews is gone too. He was the next most reliable guy for Indiana whenever they could actually throw the ball. EJ Williams comes in. I think he's going to make a a big impact. We already mentioned Carter, a couple of big names uh, out wide for the Hoosiers. I think both those guys are going to play a fair amount this season. I think both of them could be very impactful this season as well. Indiana is going to need all the help it can get out wide. The hope is Donovan McCauley can elevate to that number two type of guy. And you just have a lot of options at wide receiver, but I think Indiana did a good job of targeting a couple guys who you can make pretty good arguments for could come in and make cases to be impactful players right away. EJ Williams had has the potential. Dequise Carter has the production at a lower level. It's more which one of those do you bank on? Maybe both hit. It doesn't have to be either or. Number two, Taven Jackson. He was not number one for me which is to not say anything bad about Taven Jackson. I think there's a very good chance he comes in and starts from day one. I was looking, I saw a list of projected starting quarterbacks for next season for every team in the Big Ten. With no insight whatsoever, they predicted Dexter Williams. I would be surprised if he is even close to ready at the start of the season, if I'm being honest. A dislocated knee and all of the stuff that goes along with that is a long recovery. I don't think it's going to be a quick turnaround by any means. So I would be very surprised if he is ready for fall camp at all, let alone competing for that starting spot. If he were healthy in an ideal world, he would be the starter easily. I don't think he's going to be ready. I think there is, I would say it's, I would go high as say it's maybe a 75% chance Taven Jackson is the starter week one for Indiana. He's going to take some bumps. He's going to learn along the way, but he's what Indiana wants in terms of a dual threat quarterback. He has the athleticism. He has the talent. We can thank Trace Jackson Davis for getting us this type of player, because if he hits, he could be a really, really good player. There's going to have to be a little bit of patience with him, but I'm willing to be patient with someone like Taven Jackson, who has the potential to be great versus a, I mean, I don't mean to throw, (laughs) throw rocks at him, but a Jack Tuttle, a Connor Bazelak, there was a pretty hard ceiling on what they could be. And it was pretty brutal to watch them struggle week in and week out because you knew that that's what they were. There was no growth with Taven. You know, there's growth. The hope is he can learn and build on any of the struggles he has. But I, the only reason he's number two is because I'm not certain he's going to be the starting quarterback. If I was a hundred percent certain he'd be the starting quarterback, he'd be number one. That being said, my number one is Andre Carter, the edge from Western Michigan, Played 46 total games at Western Michigan. Played 12 last year. 
68 tackles last season, 13 and a half for loss, seven sacks. He was second team all Mac last season, 6'5, 265 pounds. He has a year of eligibility left. I would imagine this man, this large gentleman is going to step into the Deshaun McCullough sized hole as a edge player, as the bull. He's going to line up on the defensive line as well. He is going to make an impact defensively for Indiana. When I say Indiana targeted the defensive line, it starts with Carter. He was a sought after transfer target. I say that typically you don't get guys who are productive at other schools coming to Indiana. This is the exception. Carter was very productive. There were a number of places that wanted him. I specifically I remember our locked on Florida Gators host messaging me upset because he wanted Carter at Florida. That's the type of talent we're talking about here. So I'm I think he's going to make a big impact this year. It's going to be one and done, but if he can come in and be a, a kind of a bridge for Indiana for this one season and help alleviate the loss of Deshaun McCullough this season then that's all you can ask for for Indiana. It's going to be a big get for them. I think this one went under the radar a little bit just because edge players aren't typically as flashy, but, I mean, you're bringing in a guy that was all Mac that was very productive. Again, it was the Mac, but, like, Indiana was basically a Mac school, maybe worse in terms of talent last year. So he's going to step in. He's going to start. And I think he's going to be very impactful from day one this season. Let me know what you guys think. Do you have a different five? Would you put Taven number one? What is your uh, top five most impactful players look like? Thanks again, guys, for making Locked on Hoosiers your first listen every day. We'll be back with you tomorrow. We're going to talk more Taven Jackson with our college football recruiting insider. Kind of get some insight of what uh, the projections were for him coming out of high school. So we'll spend a segment on that and then preview the women's basketball game against Illinois. For your second listen, check out the brand-new podcast, Locked On College Basketball. Experts Isaac Shade and Andy Patton bring you everything you need to know on and off the court, plus hear from big-name experts, coaches, and players throughout the basketball landscape. Locked On College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, subscribe to the podcast, all of that stuff. Be sure you subscribe. We're going to go live after the uh, women's game on Wednesday, after the men's game on Thursday. So follow us on Twitter. Subscribe on YouTube. You can join in on the conversations there. As always, though, guys, I hope you all have a tremendous Tuesday and LEO.